of that sports show not just any sports show not this sports show no that sports show i'm your host jeremy the impact york this is impact media's weekly show all about the world of uh, pretty much any sport we don't cover on another show like tonight we're going to talk nfl we've got some uh, rugby atl as they had their opening game over the weekend that we were at fantastic time there uh, Atlanta United has the home opener coming up this weekend. The Hawks have some big news, and I have something to say about that. Uh, we're going to talk some Braves and, of course, some NASCAR. But before we do that, I want to tell you how you can be a part of the show. Here are the ways you can be a part of the show by leaving a rating, review, question, comment, suggestion, email, any of the sort. You can email us, 3endzone at gmail.com, the number 3 E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. You can search for us on Facebook. You can search for Impact Media, That Sports Show, Jeremy York. Any of those should find us. If you are a person who likes to just click a link and listen to a show, you can do so by going to our Twitter account, at Team Impact Media. Just uh, scroll down to the show you want to listen to, click on it. You can listen to it as many times as you want. There is no cap on that. If there is, let me know. I'll send you a link. Uh, you can also follow myself for show-related things and uh, non-show-related things, all kinds of things I just either find amusing or think are entertaining uh, or weird hijinks I get myself into. But you can follow me at the Impact 99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. I have been updating a lot of those recently with uh, some of the rugby videos and things like that. Um, and you can find us anywhere that you find a podcast, including Podcast One, the iTunes Store, and Spotify. If there's a place you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find us, please let us know, and we will remedy that accordingly. Once again, I'll just send you a link if, if uh, none of that works. Uh, as I said, tons to get into tonight, so let's get into it. I'm going to start with the world of the National Football League. It is a 365, 24-7, it, it's all year long. We know that. Uh, just a couple topics I want to get into tonight. I want to start off. I want to start off with this Lamar Jackson thing. It is franchise tag window time. Um, I think we heard that Daniel Jones is more than likely because he wants $45 million a year to, to play football. football yeah, yeah, I, I hear you guys. Mr. Sunshine's looking at me. Yeah, he is more than likely going to get between 32 to 37 with uh, the tag. Uh, some other people, I think, uh, I think the commanders have somebody that they're on no-brainer tag, a couple other ones. Uh, but we get Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And I've said this a little bit, but I heard Nick Wright say it on Colin Cowherd's show, The Herd, this week as well. And um, first off, you guys should be listening to Nick Wright anyway. Nick is very, very good at what he does. 
Um, he is by far the best in the world at what he does. Uh, very good. Uh, I even don't mind him being a Kansas City homer because that's his team's. It's, it's okay to do that. Uh, but he he brought up a lot of the same points. I'm going to say here, and and, and it, it just it it fascinated me that before I could get here to do my show that he was talking about it, and uh, he was saying the same thing. So what we have is Lamar Jackson wants the Deshaun Watson contract. He wants somewhere near 230 million dollars, all guaranteed, fully guaranteed. And the Ravens are like no. And Lamar can hold up his hand and say, well, I'm better than Deshaun Watson. And you could compare the two and you could say, well, okay, Deshaun Watson's a, a, a more uh, a more rounded passer than Lamar. Uh, Lamar is a better runner. It's like, okay. Uh, but then you start to see some differences. Deshaun Watson has only had a, a couple little injuries here and there. Lamar Jackson has missed time well, at least four or five games a year. Lamar can also raise his hand and say, well, I have a league MVP. And you do. So, is is first off, the, the Browns did no one a favor by doing that deal with Deshaun Watson. Uh, they did what they needed to do to get him. Uh, we see that it did not pay off for them whatsoever. I don't think it will. They're just going to end up owing him a bunch of money. I don't think they're going to get any better than they are because they're about to have to start paying some other people, and they won't be able to afford to. So they're going to lose the majority of their team. But I've said, I've said since this thing started mid middle of the year, and he was balking, Lamar was balking on on doing a. Uh, A contract uh, because the the Ravens were saying, uh, hey, we'll guarantee like 100 of it or uh, like 120 of it or so. I think they are like 100 million guaranteed apart. Like, okay. So I've said all, all along, like I said, since this started, that I think Lamar is going to play for a different team. Could they franchise tag him? Sure. If they franchise him, I believe it's 45. If they franchise him next year, it's like 58 or something like that. And uh, yes, you can franchise multiple times and even a third time. And once you franchise somebody a third time, and if you franchise him three years in a row, it would be like $79 million to play quarterback in this league. No. No. Not feasible. Not makes no sense whatsoever. It's just dumb. It's dumb. So clearly, could they tag him this year? Yes. Could they tag him and trade him? Yes. If they tag him, is he going to sign it? Because he could just sit the year out. And all that does is just kick this can down the road. They wouldn't technically owe him. But he could sit it out. I mean, they would hold his rights. But, you know, he couldn't play for anybody else without signing the tag. They could just hold out. The other option options is that they could trade him. And you look at teams that could use his services. And teams could use his services. Uh, the Jets, well, they're waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. We're going to talk about him in a minute. Because they'd rather have Aaron Rodgers for two years. Because after a couple years, they may do a house cleaning of the front office if this doesn't work out. And they may also 
uh, they're going to start losing players because you can only pay them for so long, especially if you're not not winning playoff games and things like that. So the Jets, okay, possible. You look at a team like um, like the Atlanta Falcons. I don't particularly want him down here because I, I don't think he necessarily makes this team better, but people bring up the fact him and Kyle Pitts on turf would be fun to watch. Yeah, it would. It would sell tickets. I don't know if it wins games um, and having to pay him because whatever team takes him on is going to have to pay him. And if you pay him, well, the Falcons are more equipped to do it because they have a lot of people on, on rookie deals and things like that. But that doesn't solve their problem. It'll allow them to score points, but their defense is going to have to continue to, to get better in order for them to do anything. But it's a feasible option. I, you know, I was initially 100% against it, but kind of warmed up to it. I don't particularly want Lamar Jackson down here, but does it work? Yes. In this city, yes. He's somebody people could rally around. Uh, he just uh, he, he seems like he's a guy that just gets to work and gets it done. And so, you know, he's, he's in this case, he's just holding out, trying to get the best deal he can. Don't we all do that? Don't we try to, uh, when we negotiate a contract or, um, you know, when it comes time to, to re-up or to work somewhere, don't, don't you talk about what you're worth to him? So he, he's trying to do that. And uh, I, I got to once again give Nick Wright credit. I had thought about this team, but I did not think about it as deeply as he did. There is a team that a trade could make a lot of sense. Because if you're the Ravens, you've catered your entire offense to Lamar Jackson and his skills. Don't believe me? What happened last year when he was out? They put in a um, competent quarterback who actually made the Pro Bowl. Congratulations to him on that. But uh, competent, you know, being able to run something and being able to thrive in it are two completely different things. But, you know, it wasn't catered to him. So I, I totally understand. So if if you were to if you were to get rid of Lamar Jackson, do you, you blow up your offense and either start over with whichever quarterback you end up with, whether you draft one or whether you get one, or do you try to find somebody with a similar skill set? And there are a couple, and you try to move Lamar Jackson to a team with the most cap space, with the most free money. Uh, that would be ready to embrace a player like this. He would be great in this city the same way he would be in Atlanta. And that would be the Chicago Bears. And you basically, I mean, what I would do is I would just say, if I'm the Ravens, I would go Lamar Jackson for Uh, Justin Fields, and a third or fourth round pick. I mean, I, I wouldn't even need a second. wouldn't even need a first. Right? Because the Bears are going to pay Lamar when they get him. And you get Justin Fields, who is not ready to be off his rookie deal yet. He has a similar skill set to Lamar Jackson. He fits your offense. And you get a couple years to decide if you want to continue to roll with him or if you want to do this again in a couple of years and either franchise tag him or offer him a big contract or start over. 
in in you know in a couple years, Baltimore may be ready to completely start over, or they may be ready to keep adding pieces and try to make a run at it because they are a deep run playoff team right now. And Justin Fields is a little more reliable injury wise. Um, not real thrilled with either one of their past games. I think Justin Fields might have a slight advantage there, in the same way that Lamar has a slight run advantage. But the more I think about it, the more I talk about it and say it out loud, I think Lamar to the Bears, Justin Fields to Baltimore, is what makes the most sense, even league-wide. Both teams, both fan bases, uh, the money involved, all things like that. I think that is what should happen. Now we'll have to see what happens with all of this because there is a lot of other little hoops that need to be jump through before we get to that particular uh, any kind of deal whatsoever. I mean, they would have to either offer him a contract or franchise tag him and have him sign it to be able to do that. But uh, I think Lamar's going to be on the move. I, I don't think he plays for Baltimore this year, whether he sits out or whether he's traded. I just I think that's where things are. Not to be outdone. Another quarterback who continues to make headlines is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, who just like, uh, was it Poxitoni Phil, or just like the groundhog that he is, emerged from his hidey hole of darkness in Oregon, according to the guy who runs the facility. Uh, and, and he said there... Uh, he saw his shadow, so there's going to be at least four more weeks of Aaron Rodgers drama. Four more weeks of Aaron Rodgers drama. He saw his shadow, guys. It's it's it is what it is. Honestly, I just made up the, the four weeks. It's just going to be probably a springtime because Rodgers could easily tell the Packers, "Oh, I'm going to play for you guys next year." There's nothing they can do about it. I mean, they can cut him and eat all the money, but. If you're paying him $50 million or 60 or whatever it is, if you're paying that kind of money, you might as well just keep him, even if you bench him the whole year or have him as a backup. But I would have him and Jordan Love go toe-to-toe, and, and if Jordan Love beats him out, then he's an expensive backup. But uh, we'll see what Roger's going to do. I think if he wants to try to win or win now, uh, the Jets are not a bad option, but the Packers are probably his best option. They need a little bit of help here and there. But... You know, outside they need some offensive line help. Uh, they 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 need a, a a one a one receiver, not one receiver. They need a number one receiver. A lot of people do. But to me, the Packers are more suited. But I understand if Rodgers is. I mean, he's pulling this Brett Favre drama stuff, and it's just uh, it's just crazy. And we, and we, here we are talking about it when we could be talking about more important things, but like I said, Aaron Rodgers emerged from the darkness. He saw his shadow. 
multiple more weeks of the Aaron Rodgers drama. My advice from the Packers, I try to talk him into moving along, whether that's retirement, whether that's a trade. I uh, I just roll with, with Jordan Love for a year, and uh, by the end of this year, you'll know if you want to pay him or if you uh, want to draft the guy. Just uh, kind of where they're at. Uh, last topic in the NFL as we finish up the uh, early early segment here on that sports show is Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy has been on one-year deals to be basically the assistant coach slash offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Not a bad gig. Not a bad gig because even though he doesn't call the plays, he helps coordinate the offense that has won two Super Bowls, what has been been to three of the last four Super Bowls and won two of them. And they've been to like five straight AFC championships or something like that. Yeah, hasn't been terrible to be Eric Bieniemy. Uh, and, and then there's this notion, because a lot of people have said, well, he doesn't interview well. Well, does he not interview well? Because he's been hanging on thinking that he is the incumbent in, in waiting, the, the head coach in waiting for when Andy Reid bows out. But looks like Andy's going to stick around a few more years. If I had Patrick Mahomes, I would probably do that too. Or is it because he just interviewed bad? I don't particularly think that's it. And I, I don't think there are deeper issues that, that a lot of people try to use. Some, uh, you know, civilization issues. I'm not going to get into what exactly that means, but you guys should know. I just think that the fact that Andy Reid calls the plays – for the most, one of the most successful offenses in the last um, 50 years, I think the enemy was not getting a lot of credit. They're like, well, you can scheme all you want, but he's the one calling the plays, and the plays are working. Between him and Mahomes, the plays are working. So Eric Bieniemy has agreed to take the deal to be, I believe, the assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera hits a smashing home run. Because, for one, their offense needs some help, needs some guidance. Two, the enemy's going to be able to call the plays because Rivera is a defensive guy. And three, he's probably going to be the head coach soon because Ron Rivera is probably only going to coach a couple more years. Good, bad, indifferent, unless they're on a just monster run, which I don't see the commanders doing. Right now, they're, they're barely the third or fourth best team in their division, depending on the year. So the enemy pretty much has a, a better gig he could show everybody what he really can do, and maybe in a couple years he's the commander's head coach. I think it's one of the best positions he could be in. And once again, the, the Chiefs will, will have to pivot part of their offense. You know, they got rid of Tyree Kill last year. Didn't seem to matter. As they won the Super Bowl. It's supposed to be a down year, a rebuild year, whatever. Even Mahomes said, I don't know what that means, because we just won the championship, and I agree. But Eric Bieniemy to me, I'm not going to say he's, he's going to be the world's next greatest coach. I don't know that. He, he could be. Maybe he's not. I'm just saying he had to put himself in the best position to thrive and to succeed, and I believe making that jump to this better position is very – it's just that. Think about it in your own, your own work, your own lives, your own jobs, you know? Let's say you, you, uh, you constantly are doing more than you're asked to do. 
and you're constantly doing extra and you're coming up with good ideas and you're, you're cleaning up a lot of bad policies and your manager is getting credit for it. Okay, we've all been there. Other people, it doesn't have to be a manager. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe somebody else is getting credit for things you're doing. And in Bianami's case, that's that's not necessarily the case. But you know, let's say he's get your manager's getting credit because you're not allowed to submit ideas. So you find a company that allows you to submit ideas, and they not only bring you over, but they promote you to a position where you could be manager sooner rather than later. That's where Bianami's at. Bianami stands a really really good shot of of being the the head coach. Hey, here's the thing. We don't know how good of a coach he's going to be. I hope he's really good, but hey, maybe he is maybe he is bad. But the only way to find out is to let him do it. If he sucks, he sucks, and if he's great, well then that's what we've all been saying anyway. Uh let's uh it's just a small Braves update, but I want to talk about it. The Atlanta Braves, you know, pitchers and catchers just recently reported across Major League Baseball. Just, uh, I think, uh, earlier this week, maybe late last week. It's fantastic. You see a lot of the pitchers show up. Some of them uh, still doing rehab from offseason procedures and things like that. But it's always good. You have extra catchers and extra people to make sure everybody can get their throws in and all that. The rest of the team is not, not supposed to show up for another week or so. But here's the thing about the Braves. You want to know where the Braves' heads are at? And there's a lot of reasons for them to do this. Here's where the Braves' team is at. Pitchers and catchers are required to show up, and the entire team showed up. The entire team. That's Grissom, who may take over for Swanson at short. That's Matt Olson at first. That's Ronald Acuna Jr. in, in center. That's, uh, I, I'm not particularly a big fan of this guy, but Ozuna that everybody showed up early. This team's ready to get it together and ready to win. And they said, you know what? We're going to come in early. We're going to stay late. We're going to push and get the job done. So Braves fans, be super excited. Like I said, there's a lot of reasons for this. It's because they want to be better. They want to win this thing again. And they know people like Grissom is like, hey, I got to beat everybody out. I got to be the new shortstop or the new second baseman or wherever they want to put him. Hey, I got to come in and do work, so I'm coming in early. You know, the Matt Olsons are like, hey, I got off to a slow start last year, even though it was a brand new team and my hometown team. So I'm going to come in here and get my swings in and get my defense down, and I'm going to be better. Ronald Acuna is like, hey, I didn't play half of last year. I need to get my reps in and get everything back up to where I need to go. This team is going to be rocking and rolling come April. Rocking and or late, late March. I mean – Grapefruit League is Grapefruit League, but when they open the season, like, what, early April? I don't have the schedule in front of me. Probably late March, early April. They are going to be rocking and rolling. As long as everybody's healthy, everybody is going to have about a month or so of reps. And as far as I know, they're one of the few teams that everybody showed up early. So Braves fans, be excited. This team's excited. They want to put the world on notice that the Braves are going to win it this year. Uh, let's take a break real quick and talk about our friends at betonline.net. And when we get back, we will talk some rugby ATL, some Atlanta United, some Hawks, and some NASCAR right here on that sports show. We'll be right back. 
Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact York from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fix. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on That Sports Show. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net for all your betting wagering needs they also have besides competing uh, com- competing uh, betting and wagering lines they also have the articles and the podcast to make you a better more informed fan you'll win all your debates whether you're uh, waiting on the bus at your family reunion uh, maybe you're in line at Walmart those uh, self-checkout lines are getting pretty deep Pretty deep, uh, but either way, visit BetOnline.net for uh, all your all your uh, betting needs. Early part of the show, in case you missed it, you can go back and listen. We talked uh, a little NFL with uh, Lamar Jackson, little uh, uh, Rogers emerged from the darkness and saw his shadow, and what that means, and uh, what's really going on with the Eric Bieniemy stuff. And then uh, also uh, talked a little Braves as well. So. Let's get into uh, some rugby ATL. You guys might have saw my videos where I was able to talk to Jason Dam, or Jason Dom, rather, and uh, Tian Erasmus, two of the stars of uh, Friday's win as they won 17 to 10. Uh, overall, the team looked good, you know. Team looked really good. You had the the first try of the year by Alex Mon. Kurt Coleman hit the kick. You had Austin White get his first MLR score ever, and uh, also the second one of the year for the team. And then uh, Ruida Biddle, who got shot out of a cannon. When we talked to him in the preseason, I did not know how fast he really was. When he turns on the Jets, I don't know that anybody can keep up with him, let alone catch him. But uh, they all had the tries in that one. And uh, Toronto, between Richardson's try late and the penalty goal they had from uh, Malcolm, uh, they salvage a point out of this. There's a, there's a point structure as to uh, how many tries you get. You can get bonus points. You get a bonus point for not losing by so much and, and you know, margin of, of, of victory and things like that. But uh, the Toronto Arrows did pretty good. The Fire and Ice Cup stays with Rugby ATL for now. And overall, I, I thought I thought the game was really good. I felt like our guys in the trenches, so to say, and that's that's uh, Tion and that's Alex Mon and uh, Jonas Petrakopoulos. Uh, you know, those guys that are down there in the trenches and, and, and the, the props and the locks and everything that Tian was uh, referencing in his interview, I think they really, really were setting, uh, setting the, not really setting the pace. They were, they were setting the bar for the way this team is going to play this year. There's a lot of speed on the outside. There's a lot of elusiveness in the middle as far as our offensive pushes. 
But when you get in the trenches, I think our guys are going to get down and dirty, and they are just going to handle any kind of rucks or mauls uh, that that you see this year. Uh, the team is looking really good. They will play this weekend, weather permitting, because I know Portland is getting slammed with a snowstorm. Uh, shout out to my sister-in-law, Kate, who has had to deal with that in the last couple of days. And I uh, wish you the best. And Kate, if you need something, please reach out. Um, not sure how Seattle's looking about now. If they're getting slammed with one as well, that could that could derail some things. But Rugby ATL is going to play at Seattle, uh, I think 10 or it could be 10.30 Eastern time on Friday. It's going to be fantastic to get in from a full day tomorrow and able, be able to uh, watch the game. No interviews or anything like that because that game is going to be over at best after midnight here, and um, I told the the team officials that, that asked me if I was trying to set up anything. I, I said, let's let's uh, put a pin in it and worry it and, and do that next week. One, it's a home game, but uh, next week because uh, just it's too hard logistically to try to get that going. The guys are trying to shower and get out of there, especially in a away game to either get back to the hotel or sometimes get back on a plane. So, uh, no interviews for this coming up weekend, but uh, maybe we'll try to do some uh, special stuff, maybe Sunday or something like that. But like I said, this team, I, I think you're going to see a lot of speed on the outside. Like I said, you're going to see some elusiveness in the middle as far as the back rows and things like that. But I really, I really like our props, our locks, and our um, uh, our number two there, whether it's uh, Ben Strang who is, is brand new but did a fantastic job, and uh, Tian, who is exceptional. He is, he is just really on top of his game right now, and uh, when he keeps his emotions in check, he is probably one of the best twos in the league, in my opinion. And uh, he'll probably appreciate me saying that. Uh, but Rugby ATL, man, if, if you want to see something different, this it's like hockey to me, is if you see this game, if you see this game close up or you see it in person, you're going to have a whole new respect for it. It is just such a clean, pure game. There's not a lot of underhandedness. Eh, it can get a little chippy here and there like anything can, but um, these guys just go out there and put it on the line, and it is such a beautiful game. Uh, come on out to Silverback Park. I think it's next Saturday is their next home game. You can watch on the Major League Rugby Network, on the Rugby Network. Uh, for free, by the way, whether it's online or whether it's through the app. But, uh, yeah, oh, they man, they took on NOLA next Saturday. If you want to see a fun rivalry, fun rivalry for sure, you definitely want to come out next Saturday and uh, see NOLA Gold versus Rugby ATL. That's, that's going to be a battle. That's going to be fun. But they're going to face Seattle. I saw Seattle dismantle Rooney, otherwise known as Rugby uh, Rugby New York, who are the defending champions, by the way. Uh, they they dismantled them last week. So uh, you got to watch Seattle. They, they play a lot like their city. Uh, they may not look impressive at the very beginning, but they are just going to keep grinding on you and keep battling, and they're going to outlast you. 
and usually find a way to win. Seattle is always a scary good team. But uh, look forward to that. Go Rugby ATL. We will be watching from the confines of uh, pretty much where I sit right now in the studio. Uh, and we are setting up some pretty cool things I think you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, well, let's get right into Atlanta United. Atlanta United, getting everybody excited down at the practice facility. You know, uh, E. Marcel Pertut of the Sports Inquirer and uh, Doug Robertson of the AJC that uh, cover the team and our friends of the show. I know they are down there uh, doing some, some really fun things. And they're getting everybody excited through their videos and their interviews and things like that. I'm excited. I know you guys are excited. They will kick off. Yep, the home opener for Atlanta United is this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. I believe they have the uh, I believe they have the upper roof and, and everything else open. I think this is one of the big games. So uh, some tickets are still available. I don't think it's sold out yet. It's pretty close. But uh, if you are going to try to go down there and see the San Jose Earthquakes against our Atlanta United, 7.30 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, go down there, have a great time. It's, it's going to be a fantastic game, the way that uh, the team is, is lining up. We still have some other people trying to clear, um, trying to get their visas cleared up and things like that. But it uh, should be a fun game. And uh, I look forward to seeing it. I will not be able to go live. We have some uh, family in town. So definitely want to spend time with them and everything. But we will be down there. And we will let you guys know when we are down at games. would love to hang out and see you guys and chat with you guys as we did last year. It was so fun to meet some of you guys. But uh, United will kick off this Saturday, 730. San Jose Earthquakes, who are a lot better than they usually are, should be a fun game. I want to see these combos of players and what they can actually do. Uh, the Hawks note I have is they fired Nate McMillan. So we got Travis Slink, who used to be the GM, who is, I, I don't really know what he does for the team anymore, but they've kind of moved him out of the way. They moved in Kyle Corver, moved up another guy that was the assistant GM, I think. So it's like, okay, uh, they fired Nate McMillan. I am starting to give in to the notion that some of this is the new regime and the way that uh, uh, Tony Ressler, who helps run the team, and, and the kind of things he wants to do. And I think this is also part, it's also part, um, I think Trey Young is having something to do with this. I don't think he's a coach killer. I just... I think he, maybe he's given a little more power than we think. Uh, the Hawks got to start putting it together, though. And uh, one of the 92.9 guys, I forgot which one, made his point the other day that I agree with. And it was not Caleb Johnson. Uh, I'm going to work at getting Caleb Johnson on this show at some point. He does uh, a great Nothing But Nest podcast with... Um, Yeah, that's right. Deshaun Tate. Yep, Caleb Johnson, Deshaun Tate with the Nothing But Nest podcast. Uh, check that out, by the way, if you're, if you're looking for somebody who is two people that are on the front lines 
of covering this team. They are at practically every game. They're at practice all the time, and they know what they're talking about. But uh, we'll try we'll try to get them on the show at some point. But it was one of the nice United guys that said that you know a lot of times these free agents and the these other people that are getting bought out and so they can go play with other people. Uh, they they almost every team has a, at least one or two, if not three people that play, other players want to play with. You never hear them say, man, I'd, I'd like to come to Atlanta and I would like to play with Trey Young. I'd like to play with Clint Capella. Uh, DeJounte Murray, maybe maybe now, but because he, he's pretty new to the team. Uh, but you, you never hear them say, oh, I, I, I want to come to Atlanta and, and, and play with this guy. And that's interesting. It's not saying these guys aren't, aren't good. It's just I think there's enough dysfunction going on in this organization right now that top players don't want to come to Atlanta. And we got to solve that because Atlanta should be a destination. It's a great city. You guys know that. A lot of you, you know, live in the city or live around the city. I was just down there the other day running the Atlanta Mission 5K just down that area. Uh, it's a great area. It's easy to get into and out of games. Uh, the team's a fun watch. They're not quite putting it together like we thought they would. Maybe they could use another big-time player. But I think Trey Young and Devontae Murray, DeJounte Murray do some good stuff. Um, but if you do move Trey on, then you need to bring in a similar talent, or it needs to be for a top draft pick and go get one of these, these big kids. The problem is you usually can't trade those lottery picks after, after you know what the picks are. I think you can, but it's just really hard to do. And also, you got to get somebody to take on Trey. And, you know, who's going to potentially do that? But uh, Hawks in a weird spot. I, I wish they put it together a little more. I, I am a Hawks fan, just like most of you. And I uh, just I wish they would do a little better than they are. But lastly, let's get into a little NASCAR. We are going to talk a little NASCAR and F1 on this show uh, this upcoming season, just like we did last year. Uh, F1 starts up, I think, in a couple weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Did we did we ever figure out when that started up? That starts up March, next weekend. They will be, uh, next weekend, they will be at Bayron. Uh, that's going to be fun. Can't wait to talk some F1 with you guys. But... For now, let's talk a little NASCAR. NASCAR just finished up their biggest race of the year. Baffles even the racers. But they were in Daytona, the super speedway. It ended up being the super two-line speedway as you were either in the outside line or the inside line. And wasn't a lot of passing. It was a, a good, clean, open race, you know. Uh, we talked about stage one, the, the pole sitter for this race was Alex Bowman, who has been doing some really good things. Uh, he, he didn't have the world's best day after being on the pole here. Um, but there wasn't a lot of movement in stage one for the most part. Uh, Riley Hurts decided to spin out. It stayed green, though, because he spun out and was, uh, was off the track. The early pits started with about 27 to go. With about 15 to go, 
Uh, Wallace went into the Bubba Wallace went into the wall. He had Martin Truex to help him out with that. And your stage one top five was Brad Keselowski, who had a ended up having a really solid day. Ryan Priest, who was doing pretty well once being promoted. Uh, Chris Busher, who we'll get into a little bit later on. Uh, Kevin Harvick and uh, Michael McDowell. All pretty good. Stage two, there was a lot of tight drafts behind either Brad Keselowski or Ryan Priest to start with. Uh, really tight drafts. The pits started with about 23 to go in the in the stage. There was a wreck with about 12 to go where Harvick tapped uh, Tyler Reddick. It happens. Uh, he just he got into him a little bit. He he didn't he wasn't trying to get that close. He just they tagged each other. It happens. Um, in the end, your your top five was Ross Chastain, Bowman, Joey Logano, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And oh, Austin Sendrick. Read my own writing. That left us to the final stage of stage three, where it started off with Eric Armarola, Bubba Wallace, Chris Buescher, uh, Byron Larson, Sendrick were your top six to start out. There was a caution with about 61 to go for debris. Then with about 21 to go, this is all clean racing. Not a lot's happening in between this. It's a little bit here and there. You you can, if you're getting out of line or you're getting pushed out of line, one of the two main lines, then uh, you dropped. But uh, for the most part, every, everything stayed pretty clean. With about 21 to go is when the gas uh, stops were starting, where everybody realized they needed gas to finish the race and uh, were coming in for splash and things like that. There was a crash with about 19 to go. And then Daniel Suarez got spun out with about three to go. And that, uh, at one time, towards the end, you had Kyle Busch with the help of his new teammate, Austin Dillon, that uh, Austin was doing everything he could to keep Kyle in the front to push him where he needed to go. And it looked like, as the field was starting to try to do something about that, Austin was trying to make a few extra moves, too, and uh, he, he got caught up and, and spun out, and it caused a caution, and then Kyle lost his dance partner. So, uh, let's see, because at that point, it was Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, William Byron, who's been doing really well, uh, and Joey. That was the top four at that point. Uh, then the crash with Austin Dillon, as I said, and that was in overtime number one that uh, Larson actually caused uh, that whole thing. And, and uh, he, he just races hard. I don't think he, it wasn't malicious or anything. But he ended up spinning out Austin Dillon. And uh, it was under caution. And your winner, who won the two-lap shootout after the caution and everything like that, is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. There's a lot of nicknames for this guy, but from here on out, you can call him all you want, but one thing you do have to call him is winner of the Daytona 500. What a fantastic day for Ricky. Uh, to round out your top five, Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, I mean, and Chris Buescher and Alex Bowman. Uh, Bell, Buescher, and Bowman, all sneaky good days. 
Joey Logano had a chance to win this race, and Stenhouse just pulled away. Uh, he celebrated with the trophy by going to Waffle House, because where else are you going to go? And uh, where else are you going to go? I mean, you just won the Daytona 500. It's probably 3 in the morning. You go to Waffle House. Of course that's where you go. It's absolutely where you go. But good for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They are a one-car race team. He's the only car. He he doesn't have teammates. Now, he has some that are, you know, manufactured teammates and stuff. But he doesn't have, you know, a partner like a lot of them do to, to do it. So, uh, shout-out to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. What a, a great thing. And see, for a one-team race like that, a one-team race team, a one-car race team, let me say it that way, uh, you know, a lot of times they won't run all of the races all year because it gets to be pretty expensive. I think Denny Hamlin said on his podcast, these cars are about $300,000 to roll them onto the track. About $300,000 per car. So when you wreck one, if you can't repair it, you just threw a bunch of money away. You set it on fire. So, you know, a lot of times if you're just a one, a one car team, you may not run all the races because it's expensive to haul it around and to keep it up and do things like that. Have backup cars. But... When you win the Daytona 500, I'd be willing to bet he can race any of those races he wants to this year. He's going to have the funding. He's going to have the extra boost and the extra attention and the momentum to where Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is going to be able to have a really good year this year, even if he only wins just this race. I think he's going to be in a lot more events, uh, which is fantastic. And uh, in the end, I thought it was just an overall great, clean race. Speaking of, this week they are in Fontana, California for the uh, what is it, the Auto Club Speedway. Does it have it? I'm sure it has a name. It's a good, I don't know the sponsor. It doesn't say who the sponsor is, but uh, they will be at Fontana. It is a D-shaped oval, or is it D-oval? You guys just imagine what the a capital D looks like, and that's what this track is a lot like. Your winner, your previous winner last year, defending champ is Kyle Larson. Uh, you got to think the Hendrick guys and the Chevys are going to be pretty strong. They are the stronger manufacturer at the moment. The Fords are not too far behind them, and the Toyotas are just doing what they can doing what they can at the moment. They're, they're catching up. They had a pretty, the Toyotas, even though there's a lot less of them than the other two, they had a pretty solid showing. Uh, I forgot to mention Travis Pastrana for 23XL. He was their third car, and he did fantastic. He ended up in like 11th. That's, that's crazy. He hadn't been in a NASCAR in like 10 years. And he come in, uh, there's no plan on him uh, driving anymore at the moment, according to Denny Hamlin, but uh, he, he did spectacular and, and got them a great finish and exactly what they wanted. Uh, but here at California, uh, Kyle Larson, like I said, you, you got to think him and the Hendrick guys are going to be pretty strong. Um, it's, it's not really a super speedway down there, but you can get some good speed off the straightaways. I'm going to say... Let's see, I said Logano was going to win Daytona, and I ended up in second place with that one. I'm going to say, you know what, give me a Toyota. Give me Christopher Bell is going to win at Fontana. 
Christopher Bell. That's who I'm going to go with. Uh, did we get everything? We did get everything. So, Christopher Bell is my pick. We will talk F1 starting next week. Hopefully have some uh, working on some guests in the racing world as well. We will uh, continue to look for my videos for Rugby ATL. Try to get some of the soccer guys. We're going to try to get a lot more guests on this year. Uh, working on some different setups and some different things. But uh, uh, i got a lot of friends all over the media world that cover all kinds of things. And they know way more about some of this stuff than I do. Would love to have them on here and let you guys hear what they have to say. But that's going to do it for this edition of That Sports Show. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Appreciate you guys allowing us to come on each and every week and talk all kinds of fun sports things, especially here in the Atlanta area. But until next time, we'll see you guys down the road. Deuces, gooses. <laughs>